Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, I'm Veronica Dagger, and this is the Wall Street Journal Secrets of Wealthy Women, where women share how they tackle career, money, and the world. The economic downturn caused by the coronavirus has put enormous pressure on small business owners. It's forced many to shut their doors, lay off staff, and scramble to retool their business for a world that requires social distancing. Today, we're going to speak with small business owner Kate Luzio. She's the founder and owner of Luminary, a co-working space for women based in New York City, and she's had to make some of these tough choices herself. Kate started her business over a year ago with the dream of bringing women together in a space where they could network and help each other advance their businesses and careers. Now, because the coronavirus has shut down so much of the city and officials have banned gatherings of large groups, Kate has had to temporarily close the doors and make her business virtual. And she says she did it all while battling what she and her doctors are assuming is a case of COVID-19. So just to clarify here for our listeners, at the time in late March when Kate was told by her doctors that they assumed she had coronavirus, the urgent care clinic she went to was only giving virus tests to those who needed hospitalization. Kate is here to tell us how she's restoring her health and rebuilding her business, knowing that the virus may change work forever. Welcome, Kate. Thanks, Veronica. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to have you. First, how are you feeling? So I think I'm on about day four of actually feeling like myself again. Uh, I had my first infection and um, it lasted a few weeks. And then I unfortunately got a secondary infection. So it lasted another almost two weeks. So all in all, it's been about four weeks, um, but definitely now feeling so much better. Um, I'm starting to clean the apartment again. So my boyfriend knew that I was feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear you're on the men. Um, you know, many of us are understandably worried about getting the coronavirus ourselves. I'm wondering, would you share a bit more detail about how you knew you had it and what it was like for you? I'm very lucky considering, you know, there are obviously there's a lot of devastation and sadness going on right now. Um, but very lucky that I live here in New York City and had access to he good health care. I started feeling ill about a week after we temporarily shut our doors at Luminary. And uh, I just thought it was a cold. You know, you convince yourself it's a cold, it's the flu. And so just focused on, I'm going to take, you know, cold medicine. I did call my doctor and very quickly she said, listen, let's get you on Tamiflu and uh, a Z-Pack just to be preventative. And then uh, not even a week later, I lost my sense of smell and taste, called my doctor right away. And she said, listen, need to get you a test and get to urgent care. Um, my boyfriend and I both went all the symptoms that I had, they gave me a presumptive positive and sent me home with more medication and inhaler and said, listen, all you can really do right now, unless you continue to experience shortness of breath or a very high fever that's consistent, um, is really rest. And that is what I did. Uh, that is all that I did uh, was try and rest while also running the company and, uh, and being focused on getting better because I knew I needed to get out of this. But it really kicked my butt. 
for me, it was the flu, bronchitis, and uh, and a terrible migraine all rolled into one for about three to four weeks. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. You're a total trooper. That is a lot to deal with. Um, you know, we're, we're hearing and reading all these stories about how isolating the disease is and because it's so highly contagious. And I'm just wondering, what was that like for you? So, you know, by the time we had gone to the doctor and my boyfriend and I lived together, they were like, listen, there's not much you can do. Um, he's already been exposed. So just continue to watch and wait. Fortunately, he didn't really have any symptoms. He got a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a small cold, but that was it. And I really just didn't leave my apartment. I didn't leave to go to get my groceries. I, I didn't do any of that. And again, being based here in, the, in New York City, we have the privilege that you can order everything online, uh, whether that's groceries or, or and have everything delivered. So I really focused on not leaving the apartment, isolating myself that physically, but also at the same time having to, to know that I've got to run a company. I've got to manage and navigate through PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program process, and really pivot this business completely online. But knowing that I, I really had to, to get better. And so I think for the first time in over 20 years, and I was, you know, as I was a banker for a really long time, managed teams all over the world. I think for the first time, I really actually delegated um, to an incredible team to say, listen, this is kind of in your hands too, and we've got to make this um, better together. And I will say, they step up every single day, and I saw skills um, and, I would say, leadership that I don't think I would have ever seen unless I got this. I really admire the courage and endurance you've shown in this past month. It's pretty unbelievable because not only you're coping with the coronavirus, you've also been working constantly to keep your business afloat. So for our listeners, can you describe your business a bit for us? Sure. So um, we like to call ourselves a collaboration hub versus that traditional co-working space. We're definitely offer co-working and communal workspace as one of our amenities in addition to many others. But really, I created Luminary to bring women together of all industries, backgrounds, titles, levels, no matter what you do, whether you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, freelancer, to I work in, I'm a corporate leader, I'm a reporter, um, a yoga instructor, I'm a teacher, um, and everything in between, bring them together to advance them and their skills so that they can accelerate whatever they want to do in, their, in the workforce and in the workplace. And by doing that, we bring in you know a, a tremendous amount of programming that for our first year, which was 2019, everything is in person, right? We did over 200 programs, workshops, events, um, that's all in person. And those are, you know, sometimes very small, intimate workshops to very large events. Um, but everything that Luminary provided, whether it was this communal workspace, our fitness studio, beauty bar, um, you know, podcast studio, all the way to our, our now um, newly opened uh, glass ceiling, which is our uh, rooftop lounge for members, um, everything is, is in person. And so, and I did that on purpose because I felt like women were constantly raising their hands to ask for more, to get more, to have more opportunity, especially around you know exposure, visibility, promotions, money, and we just haven't been seeing the numbers move. So how are you pivoting a business that is based in working and eating and exercising side by side <laughs> with strangers in a world where people may not be allowed or may not want to share anymore? 
pivot is is used constantly. I think we've adapted because it's not like we're never going to go back into that space. And so this is we've really added complementary services overnight, really, from closing, temporary closing our doors in Nomad here on 29th and Broadway, we went online. We moved every single workshop, program, and event uh, online pretty much immediately. Um, We launched a digital membership. So no matter where you are, you can access our programming and the community. We launched, in addition to the the proprietary Luminary app we already had that has a community board and a jobs board it's, and you know messaging, we launched a Slack channel and a private Facebook group so that lots of different people could connect in the way they wanted to. And it's been incredible to see the amount of, of our existing community of members and new members that want to participate. You know, we, in the program that I mentioned that we did in 2019, you know, that of that 200 plus number, 70% of those uh, programs were led by our members. It's community reinvesting in its community. And we've done in five weeks since temporarily closing the doors over 60 programs, workshops, and events. We have launched programs from navigating through crisis as a small business to don't touch your face, don't touch your 401k, uh, all the way to leading your teams remotely, managing up while you're sitting in your living room. It's actually been, for me, inspiring just to see the community act in the way it is. And I do think while things are changing and they will change, I do feel, and maybe this is that sort of Pollyanna view, that people are going to need and want physical community now more than ever once we're able to even get outside, whether we're still practicing social distancing or not, I don't feel like that need for physical connection is going to go away. I think that's why I say versus we've pivoted completely, we've adapted and now added this complementary digital component to our community. How are you keeping connections up with members who may be struggling economically through this downturn? It is tough, you know, and again, 37% of our existing community are small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, freelancers. And so we're working with every single member individually, and we've got over 600 plus uh, individual members to make sure that they've got the membership tier uh, that meets the needs that they have. If they can't afford a membership, we immediately go on pause uh, for them, and they can hopefully come back when they can. Before COVID, any member that joined Luminary got a personal onboarding. And so keeping up that personal connection, understanding your situation, and especially for our small business owners and and entrepreneurs, and then offering quite a bit of programming for that particular part of our community has been really helpful and making sure they have access to that, even if they're no longer able to afford a membership. Um, we also started a T-shirt fund, and so 100% of the profits of those particular T-shirts that someone buys goes into our Illumination Grant, which is a membership scholarship. And we know there will be quite a few of our members that won't be able to afford memberships for the time being once we come out of this. And so allocating those funds to those members is important to us. Speaking of your members, would you elaborate on what you're hearing? Like, how are they coping with the coronavirus fallout? What's the mood? 
Well, one, it tends to differ member by member and and what their business is, if if they're working for a strong company, if if they have a small business or they've just started out. But I I, I do see such signs of positive um, communication and inspiration. We have a number of members that have completely pivoted or adapted their business. One of them a, a fantastic photographer who has a photography business. She also has a headshot business that sort of dried up in the time being. And what she realizes, she's a fantastic presence coach. And so now she's doing virtual presence coaching for Zoom calls and for uh, all of these people that are on TV now and they have to be um, looking presentable or for interviews. And so she's completely adapted her business. We have another that was launching an on-demand alteration service on March 13th. Obviously, that's been put on hold. And she had already been working with 200 seamstresses around New York City and said, well, wait a second, what can we do here? We've already sort of contracted you. And they started making face masks. Every face mask they sell or are donated, those are given to um, all of the various hospitals and communities in need here in New York City. They've done over 10,000 in four weeks. And so I I see that and I see the positive. I also see the negative. You know, I see the, those that are, that all of their revenue have dried up. I see those that can't make payroll. I see those that have struggled to go through and navigate the PPP, the paycheck protection program process, or be shut out of it. And hopefully they'll get it in the second tranche. So it is, it's a wake up call. I think for a lot of small business owners um, and everyone's situation is very, very different. And for me, it's always been about that communication, open dialogue uh, and and engaging just to understand um, what we can do to help, what what they're needing right now and really listening to feedback so that that can better prepare us, not just for the future, but tomorrow and what we're offering to our community then. So, Kate, we asked uh, listeners to share how they're keeping their small business up and running. And Emily from Boulder, Colorado, has had to change her business concept completely. So take a listen. I own a small, very small housekeeping and landscaping business. And when the coronavirus hit, I wanted to keep myself safe and my clients safe. So I decided to follow the stay-at-home order and We've also had a very snowy month, so my landscaping work kind of dropped off. So I ended up um, starting a homemade custom washable face mask business on Etsy, and it's been really fun to make these masks. It's created a pretty lucrative business for me now. It sounds like that's somewhat in line with what you're hearing from your your members, that they're looking for new niches and new products and new ideas. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such an exciting part of this, you know, outside of we can focus on the doom and gloom or we can focus on the opportunity. And I just choose, I think we choose uh, as luminary and as part of our mission is to focus on that. You know, one of the things that we were hearing from a number of our members that sell physical products uh, especially using events and corporate events and engagements in order to sell those. And so we created the Luminary Collective, which is a directory of women-owned, women-led, women-founded products and services. You don't have to be a member to join. It's literally a Google form right on the website on collectiveluminary.com. 
And what we're just trying to do is amplify the voices of all of these women-owned business so you know where you are buying from and to get their get their products and services out there. And that's really helped, I think, us be there for the community, but also at the same time, bringing new distribution, sales, and marketing tools to these companies. Kate, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'd like to talk about the financial lessons you're learning from this crisis. AI may be the most important new computer technology ever, but AI needs a lot of processing speed, and that gets expensive fast. Upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash wallstreet, oracle.com slash wallstreet. So, Kate, it must be incredibly stressful to be a small business owner these days, especially on the financial side. So I want to talk a bit about money. You've self-funded Luminary. Are you going to be able to continue to do that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think one of the things when I, when I started on this journey of becoming an entrepreneur and launching Luminary was ensuring that I, one, had a great brand and company, but two, that I had a strong balance sheet and, and liquidity. And I knew that because I was in banking for the last 20 years. I also knew that there is this, and this is, again, not to take anything away from anyone who's raised, and I've had the privilege to save a lot of money and and put that all into my company, but that taking money does come with with a lot of strings. Uh, And so I decided to self-fund. That was one of the reasons. And for me, that's really kept me focused on every single dollar that comes in and out. Of luminary, and so as soon as this happened, uh, it was critical to know our numbers. And again, when you create a company, having a full business plan, a financial projections, a profit and loss statement, that really helps keep you focused. So for me, uh, it was you know less about are we going to be there. Certainly, we will have a, a significant financial impact. Uh, given you know um, loss of event revenue, membership, if people cancel, et cetera. But no, I am planning on on continuing to do that, and I think um, we're in relatively good shape. We also navigated the PPP, I think, pretty well, and were able to um, to secure that, which we're very lucky to have been able to do. Oh wow! In the first round, you were able to get funding. Before we even knew that the PPP was going to get passed by Congress. I called our banker and said, okay, are you doing this? If this goes through, will you be, are you, you know, approved lender? I understand. I also understood how difficult it has been in the past to, to historically get a business, a small business loan. So I knew the documentation that they would be re- looking for and what would be required. So I, I do believe that my background, I had a, had a bit of a, a leg up because I knew what they would look for. I also immediately called our accountant and said, uh, what are we going to need here? And, you know, even before we knew that it was going to be passed. So I think being prepared very early on really helped so that when it was like, let's go, 
and the system opened and the bank was ready, we tried to get our application in as, as soon as possible. And I, again, knowing how the banks work, continued to follow up. My COO, who's incredible, she really helped in working with our accountant and, our, and, and also our banking relationship and making sure that, again, we knew exactly what we needed, our payroll calculations. And what I saw, and I think this is a huge lesson, unfortunately, is how unprepared a lot of business owners have been uh, just in knowing their numbers, understanding their payroll, understanding expense management, what that looks like, and what's cash flow going to be for the next not just 30 days, but what does that look like for the next six months? It's really important. And so, you know, lesson learned and not a great lesson, but for the next couple of months, everybody should know every single dollar coming in and out. Uh, and I think as a self-funder bootstrapper, uh, you know, very, I pay a lot of attention to that because I stretch every single dollar that we have and that we spend. So being on top of your cash flow sounds like one tip you would give to other small business owners. What are some other financial tips you might give to small business owners who may not be as money savvy as you are? You know, I think the first thing you need to do is, you know, whether you're starting your business, you're you're pivoting, you're sort of in this time is is really going back to the basics of your business plan and understanding, you know, what are the triggers or levers you can pull within that business plan. Uh, it allows you to also see where you can pivot, where the majority of your revenue is coming from, where are the gaps that you need to fill if you don't have that revenue coming in. Understanding your cash flow is really important, but also understanding your expenses, right? So. How much are you spending every month on not just your staff? If you have an office, if you have a co-working space, if you have you know pens and pencils, your accountant, your legal, all of that really informs your decisions as you take in that you know what's next and where you can where you can actually again um, take a little risk. You have to also understand your the resources out there that you can tap into, whether that's funding, whether that's legal advice, whether that's you know accounting. Um, a lot of people I don't think have accountants, and I think that whether you can afford that or not, you know, then understand what those resources out there here in New York City, um, we.nyc, which is one of our uh, partners at Luminary is such an incredible resource for women entrepreneurs. You can get access to legal advice, accounting advice, mentors. You know, lean into the resources that are around you. And the last thing that I would say is lean into your network. You know, we, no one knows it all. Don't wait. Ask for help uh, because we say lean on lean on your network, lean on people, actually lean into. For me, it's, it's, it's all about the ask. And I think a lot of people waited too long to ask about PPP and their bankers and how they could, who are approved SBA lenders and what that all means. Uh, and then they got locked out. The Wing, which is also a female-focused co-working space, has had layoffs because of the coronavirus. Do you foresee that for Luminary? No, no, not at all. Um, I've actually made that statement to my team uh, that uh, we, you know, we had to, we have part-time staff that we had, we only had three or four, we had to put on, um, lay them off um, because they're not in the space. Um, however, uh, we're, we're helping them financially and making sure that as soon as we can hire them back, we will for all of my full-time staff, as well as my contractors and freelancers. And we have plenty of work to go around, right? 
just because we were a physical space, every single person that, that is working for me has a ton to do, whether it's, you know, putting on a digital program, creating the programming, uh, working with our members, launching our digital membership, handling all of our vendors uh, and everything that comes along with our space, our corporate members, which we have over 25 of those, you know, there is a lot of work to get done. And I think our ability to quickly pivot and go virtual um, showed the strength of who we are and that we do need this, this staff. Uh, and I have one location and, and that's done for a reason, right? Uh, taking on a ton of debt uh, for me, was not the way I wanted to build this company. You seem very confident, and it sounds like you're doing really well. Do you ever have any moments where you didn't think Luminary was going to make it? <laughs> I have that moment every day. <laughs> um, no, I think it's part of the entrepreneurial journey that you have this this roller coaster of emotions, right? I mean, I I look back every day and say, what did you know in 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 that what did I do kind of moment? And then someone will call or I'll get a text or an email from a member saying Luminary has changed my life or what would I not what would I do without this community? So there is that up and down. I think you throw in a global pandemic and a sheltering in place and close my physical doors temporarily. That certainly throws in that oh my gosh moment. What am I going to do? But then I remember that we've got an incredible community. We've got a great brand. We believe in what we're doing. There is a need for it, whether it's physically or virtually. And we've got, on top of this team that we've built, just fantastic partners, members, and corporate members that are willing to stick with us. That doesn't mean that we aren't having hard days and there's not a significant financial impact and we haven't had employees impacted. But uh, I have to keep focusing on the future as well as the present to know we are going to survive and get through this. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Kate. We wish you much health and much success. Thank you so much. I'm really excited that I got the opportunity to be on and hopefully I will see you in person soon. That would be great. Secrets listeners, a reminder that our hotline is open. What's your secret to staying calm and managing your money and career during this difficult time? We'd love to hear it. Text or call in your survival strategy to our hotline at 314-200-5947 and we may share it on the podcast. If you'd like to hear more Secrets of Wealthy Women, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite audio provider. If you like us, subscribe, share us on social media, and give us a review. Our producer is Trine Nori. Our executive producer is Kateri Yoko. I'm Veronica Dagger. Hang in there, Secrets listeners, and thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.